I love this house with all of my heart. But as much as I love the fun and the banter and the teams, I, I also love the life lessons that we learn together. We learn together. We learn from the Word of God. And last week, Luke, um, he, he opened and started a new series called Most Often, where we're going to be looking throughout the Bible over the course of the next couple of weeks about what the Bible has to say about some of the things that we do most often in our lives. And um, he talked to us about work and what the Bible had to say about having a good work ethic. And it was, a, it was a great message. If you missed it last week, please go online and check that out. But I want to talk to you today again about something that we do most often in our Christian faith. And if we don't do it most often, we should, should be doing it most often. I hope that wherever life finds you today, this message brings some clarity to your world. I think for some in here today, it is gonna have, you're going to have a moment of, of, of revelation where you perhaps understand for the first time how God can truly connect with you, how God wants a relationship with you. And I think for some of us that have perhaps been coming to church for a long time, we're going to have a moment of realisation uh, where we perhaps recognise some areas where we've become complacent in our faith and complacent in our walk with God. And so wherever it finds you today, I just believe that if we can take a hold of the principles of this message, it will be like a key unlocking a door moment for you in your life, and it will bring some clarity to your world. But as I speak, I just want us to be on an understanding that there is a pouring out and there's a receiving in. And there's two of us in the room today. There is you and there is me. And we both have a responsibility. And so as I pour out to you from the Word of God, I ask that you just have open hearts and open minds to receive in what God wants to speak into your life. I'm just going to pray with you before we all start. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity Lord, that we can come together as family and we can learn from your word. But right now in this moment, God, I pray that I get out of the way so that you can have your way and depart, deposit what you want into the lives of everyone sat in this room tonight. And we ask this in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, over the course of many, many years, I have been in enough church services to be told what I need to do to grow in my Christian faith. I have been told what I need to do in order to get closer to God and to have God speak into my world and for God to help me in my situations. I have been told in numerous meetings over numerous years, Emma, you need to pray more. You need to worship better. You need to have more faith. And that as a young Christian I, Christian, I used to think to myself, I hear what you're saying, but I don't understand how. Like, what does that even look like for me in my life? I hear what you're saying, but I'm trying to pray, but how do I pray? And I'm trying to have more faith, but what does that mean to me to have more faith? And so as we go into part two of most often, I want to look at this subject that we do most often in our Christian faith, and that is worship. 
I want to talk to you today about worship, but not just as it being something we do most often, but also how do we worship? How do we truly worship God? You know, if you've been coming to church for any amount of time, or even if you're relatively new, you will hear phrases bandied about, like, now we're going to have some praise and worship. You might be like, well, what does that mean? Are the snacks coming out? Is praise and worship like cookies and cream in the interval or something? It's, what is that? Even if you've been in church most of your life, like me, what does the term praise and worship mean to you? You're probably thinking, well, praise means the fast songs. That's where they get a bit clappy-clappy and they get a bit of a jump on. They're the praise songs. They always have them at the beginning. And the worship is kind of like the slow dance at the end of the night. The worship happens towards the end of the service and people get a bit weepy and their hands go up in the air and it's kind of a bit like, you know, the slow dance. Whilst, whilst they might be the external demonstration of praise and worship, I want to teach you from the Word of God tonight that worship is so much more than just that. But before I jump into what worship actually is, I can't go there without first making, making reference to praise. Because praise is the prequel to worship. And you will never know how to really worship God unless you have an understanding of what praise is. Praise is your bread from Subway. You have to go and order your Italian hearty before you can choose the filling, because if you don't, there's nothing to support the filling. So you have to choose your bread first, right? And then you get the middle part to, to, to go in it. Well, Praise supports your worship. So for us to have an understanding of praise, I want to be able to, to show you tonight that it is not just the fast songs. Praise is not just the prequel to the meeting. It's not just to get the crowd going, and it is not waiting for you latecomers to arrive. Oh, I have your number, by the way. Song one, and there's so many spaces in the seats, and by song two, our red t-shirt impactors, they look like the old ice cream lady from the flick cinema looking for seats in amongst the crowd. Praise is not the optional extra. Praise is not a time filler. It's not just something we do to keep ourselves busy whilst we're waiting for the main bit of the meeting to begin. But the reason that we have our praise songs at the start of every single meeting is because praise includes everyone. No one is excluded from praising God. If you are not a Christian, you can praise God. If you've never been to church before, you can and you do praise God. Everything can and does praise God. Praise is acknowledging what he has done. Praise is an attitude of thanks. Praise is a thankful heart. Praise is where in that moment your subconscious is saying to God, thank you for my health. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my exam results. Thank you for my job. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these friends. That is what praise does. But if you never ever chose to give thanks to God, if you're sitting here like this and you're like, I have never praised God in my life, let me tell you, if you have a pulse in your body, you, your very being is praising God just by doing what it was created and designed to do. So with every breath you take, 
Your being is giving glory and praise to its creator because it's doing what it is designed to take. But when you actively choose to acknowledge him and you actively choose to give praise to him, it says more about you, your praise says more about you than it does about him. If, if none of my kids ever thanked me for a meal that I put down on the table, it would not stop me from making them a meal because they're my family and that's what I do for them. But when one of them turns around and says, thanks, mum, that was lovely, it says way more about that child's character than it does about my cooking. So when you choose to give praise to God, Train yourselves, wake up in the morning and just begin to list off in your mind the things that you are thankful for. And if you cannot think of anything that you are thankful for, thank God you opened your eyes and drew breath this morning. Just thank him for where you are at in life. It says this in Psalm 147, for praise makes you lovely. It makes you lovely before him, but it brings him great delight. So your praise makes you lovely before God. It delights him, but it makes you lovely. Because God doesn't need your praise, but he desires your praise. But he says, hey, if you never chose to praise me again, no worries. Because I created the earth. I created the world just to give praise to me. So when everything in the earth is doing what it has been created to do, the trees growing and the grass growing, creation gives praise to God. Listen to what Psalm 148 says. Praise God from the mountaintops. Praise God, all you angels. Praise him, all you, his warriors. Praise him, sun, moon, and praise him, you morning stars. Praise him, high heavens. Praise him, heavenly rain clouds. Oh, let them praise the name of God, for he spoke the word, and there they were. He set them in place from all time to eternity. He gave the orders, and that is that. Praise God, you sea creatures, you fathomless ocean deeps, fire and hail and snow and ice and hurricanes, obey his orders. Mountains and hills and apple orchards, cedar forests, wild beasts, herds, cattle, snakes, birds in flight, kings of the earth, women in their prime, gray beards and little children. Praise the name of God because he's the only name worth praising. It's telling us that creation just praises God. So praise includes everybody. The stars are praising him, the skies, the atmosphere, the hemisphere, the birds singing, the bees buzzing, the fish swimming. Creation doing what it is created to do is giving praise and thanksgiving to God for its very existence. But you and I, we are the only species that can choose to praise. Now, all of creation cannot worship God because worship is not something you do because you're designed that way. And worship is not something you do by default. Worship is an absolute choice. It is a decision because worship says, even if, it doesn't work out for me. I will worship you. Oh, it takes a lot, right, to be able to worship God. You see, worship says, even if it doesn't go my way, 
I will worship you. Some of you need to go back and listen to Becky Scott's message from the beginning of the summer. Even if I don't get the baby that I've longed for, even if the job never comes up, even if I don't get the health report I'm so desiring, even if the money doesn't come through, I worship you because you are God. And the Word of God says you're the same yesterday, today and forever. And you never change. And even though my circumstances change, and even though I can't see your goodness right now, and even though nothing seems to be going right for me, you are God and I will worship you, worship you, God, in the midst of my pain. I worship you, God, even though I flunked the exam results. I worship you, God, even though I feel lonely and I don't feel I have any friends. Because worship is not a feeling. It's not an adrenaline rush. And it's not an emotion. Worship is not an external matter. It is the deepest part of you reaching into the deepest part of him. It is a spirit-to-spirit connection. It is the deepest part of you. It will take you out of your flesh, beyond your mind. It will forever change you when you have truly connected with God. So God wants so much more than just a hand raise in song three. The Bible says that God is spirit and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that look like? Well, it means that I'm going to worship you out of who I know you are and not how I'm feeling today. I'm going to worship you according to what the Word of God says you are and not according to what my circumstances present to me today. You know, the truth is this, God. Life sucks right now. The truth is this, God, I've been made redundant. My marriage has fallen apart. I've got a health diagnosis hanging over my life. The truth is, God, the money isn't working out. The truth is, God, I'm desperate. I'm depressed. I'm destitute. I'm lonely. The truth is, God, life ain't good. But there is another truth that says you are still in control, says that you are still on the throne, says that your name is above every other name. And though my circumstances do not show me that right now. I'm going to worship you out of the truth that I know and not the the way that I feel. And I'm going to say that because you are still God, you are still in control of my situation. And therefore, I worship you in the truth of my circumstances, but also in the light and the truth of who you are. So you see, not everyone can worship God because worship takes unction and worship takes determination and worship will take you somewhere you've never been before and worship you're going to have to push past your feelings and worship you're going to have to push through your emotion worship takes grit to truly worship God some people will go through their entire Christian life and never move past the point of praise Never know what it is to truly worship God. But to desire to go deeper into God, there has to be a holy dissatisfaction within you. A driving, a craving, a yearning, a longing. I just want to know who you are. I want to know you in a more personal way. Because I want to just encourage you and say this. There is so much more to God than the place you're at right now. There is so much more to God. 
If you can look back 10 years on your Christian experience and not a lot has changed, can I encourage you, let's get changing. God wants to grow you and mature you and show you wonders in your life that you never thought in your lifetime that you would see. He wants to do immeasurable things in and through you, but it's going to take you to yearn and to long and to push into a private and personal place with him. The very first time that worship is ever referenced in the Bible, it's referenced in the book of Genesis 22. And it is around the story of Abraham and Isaac, when Abraham goes up the mountain to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Now, ironically, the very first time that worship is mentioned, it has nothing to do with the song. It has nothing to do with the musical instrument, which shows me you don't need all of this to worship God. And so we know the story so well of Abraham and Isaac, and Abraham had waited nearly 100 years to have this child of promise. Him and his wife had been barren their whole lifetime, and they had cried out to God for a child. And, and over the course of almost 100 years before God actually answered their prayer and gave them this son, can you imagine after that long wait, how precious this child was to them. Now, Bible scholars will tell us they reckon Isaac was around the age of 12 or 13. And what happened was during Abraham's prayer time, God said to him one day, Abraham, that which I've given to you, give him back to me now. I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now, that sounds ironic for us today, but let me just draw out some points here. I had the honor and the privilege of talking to our worship and creative teams uh, a couple of weeks ago. And during that time, I asked Josh, who fronts our worship here, what's the most expensive guitar you could possibly dream of? I wrote it down. Taylor 914CE, if that means anything to anybody else other than Josh. But apparently, it's a really expensive guitar that he could only dream of having. And I said to him, imagine, Josh, that you had been saving up over a 10-year period, putting a little bit of money away every single week just to get that guitar which you so desperately desire. And then imagine the day came when you were able to purchase the guitar. And from then on, every time you went to play the guitar and you opened up the case, you just wept at the sight of this beautiful guitar because you couldn't believe it was actually yours. Would well, imagine, Josh, if you were a couple of weeks into playing your guitar and during your prayer time, you're just there before God going, thank you, God. You've blessed my life so much, God. I can't believe I've got this guitar, oh God. And God says, Josh... Chop it up and make firewood. And then make a bonfire with it. I mean, that's a guitar. What's the most precious thing that you have in your life? Because this is what's happening in this story. But you see, the word worship is translated in the original Greek as worth-ship. So when you worship, you're putting the worth on the thing that you worship. And God doesn't want you to have anything in your life that has greater value to you than him. Question to ask ourselves, is he still worth more to you than the thing that he gave you? 
Because some of us, and I've seen it so often over the years, we pray to God and so desperate for a job. Lord, I really need a job. I really need a breakthrough in my finances. And God blesses you with your job. And now you're that busy working every hour. God sends we hardly see you in the house of God anymore. Oh, what about the baby? I'm being so desperate to have a child, so desperate to have the baby and flat on my face before God because I'm so desperate, desperate for God. And finally, after many years, God fulfills his promise to you and you become with child. Only when that baby's born, we we don't see you anymore because you've gone into mama and papa land. Oh, what about the relationship? I'm tired of being on my own, God, and I've, I've cried out. I've been, I've been single for years. I'm the only single one in the whole world. I'm, I'm tired of being single and doing everything on my own. And, and God opens the door, and, and Mr. Perfect walks in, and you, you hit a relationship off. But now we, we don't see you because the thing that you were blessed with, the blessing has become greater than the blesser in your life. And God said, I don't want anything to have more value to you than me. Worship, what you talk about most, where you spend most of your time, what you give most of your money over to, that is the thing that you worship. Now, I want to read this story to you in Genesis, and then we're going to just pull out three points that is going to help you in your life of worship. It says in Genesis 22, now God tested the faith and the commitment of Abraham. I just want to pause there, okay? God tested the faith and the commitment of Abraham. This whole thing about taking the thing that was most precious to Abraham to sacrifice and give back to God, the whole thing was a test. It was testing Abraham's character. It was testing Abraham's faith. But we are reading the Bible with hindsight. But let me tell you, Abraham didn't know he was in a test when he was in the test. When God was telling him to give me the thing that is most precious to you, Abraham, for him, it was a real deal. He didn't know it was in a test. And I want to encourage you today and say to each and every one of you, God will constantly test your life. God is testing your character. That stressy thing, that difficult situation. He's wanting to see who you are when the pressure is applied. He's wanting you to be the best version of you possible. And sometimes we come up against difficulties, we come up against brick walls, and we fall apart. And actually, maybe one day, somebody will look back on our life in reflection and go, God was testing the faith and the character of that person. So God said to Abraham, Take now your son Isaac and go to the region of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. One of the, one, go to one of the mountains, which I will tell you. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took a couple of servants with him and his son Isaac. He split the wood for the burnt offering, and then he went up to the place of which God had told him. On the third day of traveling, Abraham looked up and he saw a place in the distance. He saw a place that God had told him to go to. And so Abraham said to his servants who were with him, you stay here with the donkey, you make camp here, because the boy and I are going to go over there, over far away over there to worship God, and then we will come back to you. 
And Abraham took the wood for burnt offering. And he laid it on Isaac's shoulders and he took the fire in one hand, he took the knife in the other, and the two of them walked on together. And Isaac said to Abraham, my father, where, he says, we have the fire and we have the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for the offering. I just want to make mention that when Abraham first goes to worship, the very first thing that he does is he separates himself from the crowd. The very first thing that Abraham does when he goes off to worship is he says to his servants, you stay here, you make camp here, and I'm going to go over there to worship God. He had to leave the comfort and he had to leave the company. And there's going to be times in your life when God says, I need you to split from the comfort, I need you to split from the company because I want some alone time with you. You know where Abraham, he left the tent and he left all the guys sitting around the campfire, toasting marshmallows, making schmores, having a bit of banter, all having a great time. Did he want to be there? Yes, he's a guy. He probably did. But there was a bigger drive within him, and that was, I need to find out what God is saying to my life right now. Therefore, I need to go spend some alone time and worship with God. I need to be in that place with God. And there's going to be times when God is going to call you out from the crowd, and you're going to have to decline that dinner party and decline that football game. And you're going to have to say to, to, to your friends, I can't come out tonight. I'm so sorry, but I just feel I have to go and spend some time with God. I have to go to a place that is quiet and on my own. I need to worship God. I need an answer. I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. I need God to speak over my life. You know, our um, youngest son, who's now 13, when um, he was very small, we got in one of those cabin beds that children have in their bedrooms. And um, when he was about 10 years old and we realized his head was hanging over one end and his feet were hanging over the other, we decided as responsible parents that we really should upgrade his bed and get him one that he fits. And so we were taking the cabin bed apart to get rid of it. And when, we, when I pulled it out away from the wall, underneath I'd forgotten there was a den underneath the bed you could create a den and over the years of him being little he'd have his cars in there and you know do little boys things in there garages and all sorts but when I pulled the bed out I was so moved and surprised at what I saw because underneath his bed was his bible and stuck around the walls were scriptures that he'd written out the bible himself and then there was this list that he'd written a list of things that he was praying for, top of the list, make my mum better, God. Next one down, we had a cousin that was unwell. Next one down was something else and something else. And as each prayer was getting answered, he would tick off his little list. And I was so moved by what I saw. And I called him in and I was like, Saul, what is this? And he just went, it's where I go to find God. And off he ran, like it was the most normal thing. Now he's growing into a teenager and he can't get under his bed anymore. I am constantly reminding him, don't forget that special place. Go find another place. Go make another den. Go find another secret room to find God in. For you, it might be your car. Take yourself off for a drive. Just put on some worship music. Have some alone time with God. Find a cupboard. Go and shut yourself at the cupboard. Go and Find a room, just go and make time and make space for you to have some alone time with God. 
But there are three practical things from this portion of Abraham's story that um, he took with him when he went to worship God. And I believe they are three very practical things that we can take with us when we choose to worship God in spirit and in truth. The first thing that Abraham took with him was dead wood. It said he took the dead wood and he put it on the back of his son Isaac because that's what they were going to make the altar out of, the dead wood. Dead wood is wood that was once alive, but the woodcutter has chopped it off, he's axed it off, and so it no longer lives. It used to be a branch, a part of a living tree, but the woodcutter has taken his axe to it, and now the wood is dead. When you go to worship God, there has to be something in your life that was once alive, but you've allowed God to cut it off. There has to be something in your life that used to be active and living, but is no more because you've allowed God to deal with that area of your life. Something you used to do, a way you used to speak, something that was a part of your life, something that you will say to yourself, I will never go back to being that person again. I will never go back to being that way again. It used to be a part of my life. It used to be the language I spoke. It used to be the way that I talked. It used to be the stuff that I looked at. But I allowed God to do a work within me and he cut it off. And and you know if God has cut something off, you know if something is dead in your life, Because the thought of returning to that way of living repulses you. That's how you know when something has been dealt with in your life. The thought of being that way again in my mouth or that way again with my actions repulses me. And you know that God has cut it off and set you free. But do not call something dead if it's only dormant. Because dead and dormant are two very different things. You see, dormant means when I'm having a holy moment, I turn my back on that way of life. But when I'm having an ordinary moment, I revisited it from time to time. I slip back into that old mindset. I slip back into those old ways. God doesn't want dormant. God wants dead because dead is your testimony. And your testimony is about the test you went through in life. And God said, I want you to worship me with your dead wood. I want you to worship me with the testimony from your life, the thing you went through, the struggle that was, the way I used to be that I'm not anymore because I've allowed God to cut some things away from my life. You can't actually worship God without dead wood in your life. You can't worship God without allowing him to cut some stuff off in your life. You can't borrow somebody else's dead wood and try and worship God. It doesn't happen. You can dress like Haley and you can practice her moves in front of the mirror or grow your hair like Josh. But the anointing of God will not be upon you because worship is not a style and it is not a song. It is a story about your dead word. So let's worship him with your dead word. The second thing that Abraham took up the mountain with him, it says he took fire in one hand and a knife in the other. I had to go and have a little look at how on earth did he take fire in his hand because it was pre-matches and lighters and so 
But what they used to do, if they were going in the wilderness to make a, fi- a campfire, they would take fire from home, they would make it in a pot, and they would carry that pot with a living fire in it with them. Every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible, or nearly every time, he's likened to fire. Tongues of fire descended on the disciples' heads. He appeared to Moses in a burning bush. He led the children of Israel by a pillar of fire. So fire often represents the Holy Spirit. And fire generates two things. It generates heat and it generates light. And, and, and there are going to be seasons in your life, even as a Christian, there are going to be seasons where you go through the most difficult times, where life feels barren and life feels cold and life feels lonely. And you need to know how to worship God to generate heat to your spirit and soul and keep yourself going and keep yourself warm and spiritually alive during those difficult seasons. But also when we come together corporately to worship as a church, We generate an atmosphere in this place, a heat in this place that is different to the world out there. So when people come in, they are going to feel an atmosphere and a warmth that is different to what they feel on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when they're out in the world. So when we all bring our fire together in corporate worship, we create an atmosphere of heat that warms us up and warms others up. Fire also generates light, and light is what helps you see. Light helps you to see clearly, because people are walking around in darkness, but they don't know they're walking around in darkness, because it's amazing to me how quickly your abnormal can be very normal when you're out there in the world. But when you come into the house of God, there is a light on. And when you worship God, truly worship God, it brings a revelation to your spirit and to your soul where you are able to see clearly, I need to make that decision. You are able to see clearly, is it yes, is it no? You are able to see clearly what you need to do when you felt so undecisive all through the week and you've not known which way you are going. Matthew 4:16 says, the people that are living in darkness have seen a great light. But how do they see a great light if they don't yet know Jesus? It's by coming into the house of God and being around all of us who are carrying fire in our hand. And so when we're worshipping God, the, the stranger who's just come in off the street, he's going to get revelation in his life. He's going to be able to see clearly. His messed up thoughts are going to be straightened out because there is going to be a light on moments. And I truly believe it was because David was a praise and worshipper that he got the revelation of the Word of God being a lamp unto his feet and giving him light. Because David messed up on so many levels. He was an adulterer, he was a murderer, he was a vagabond. But at the heart of his heart, he got on his face before God and he said, God saw me out. And God took him to his word. And David began to put music to the word of God, which is even a lot of the songs that we sing today. It's the book of Psalms in the Bible, go and read it. David put music to the word of God and it helped him to see clearly what he needed to do next in his life. Fire burns, but you've got to keep the fire stoked to keep the fire alive. And how do you keep the fire stoked? By continuously putting dead wood on it. You've got to keep putting dead wood on it. Dead wood is not a one-off thing that you do with your life. Dead wood is when you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, how am I doing? Is there 
anything else in my life that is displeasing to you? What is there in my life today, God, that you need to chop off? What do I need to not be thinking about? What do I need to not be looking about? How do I need to not be speaking? Make it into dead wood so the fire can burn brighter in my life. And remember, whatever fire touches, it changes. Nothing can touch fire and remain the same. It changes its form. And so when the Holy Spirit has touched your life, when you've had that spirit-to-spirit connection with God, because you've you've allowed Him to deal with the dead wood, you will be forever changed. And the final thing, as I just wrap up tonight, that Abraham took in his hand, he took with him a knife. He took fire in one hand, he took the knife in the other. You need your knife to kill what is not already dead. There are some things in your life that you can only kill in the presence of God. He took his knife with him. In the presence of God, you need to kill limitation. In the presence of God, you need to kill off your life rejection. In the presence of God, you need to be able to kill negativity. You can kill things that are chinks in your character and your personality. And God says you can only deal with them when you're in my presence. And when you're in the presence of God, you need to have your knife, which looks like an arm of surrender, which looks like here I am, God. And with that knife, you need to cut off the things that are in your life that shouldn't be there, the things that are in your personality. Because if you don't kill the things that are in your personality, it will kill you. It will kill your confidence. It will kill your opportunities. It will kill your career and it will kill your marriage. So you need to take your knife and you need to cut away jealousy and you need to cut away that anger and you need to cut away the negativity and you need to cut away the things and the insecurities that you've carried with you for years. Cut away anything that stops you from moving into the place of God. 